With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, uh, folks. This is uh, Nothing But The Truth. Uh, my journey. And I discovered that, that the truth is my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, I've been blessed with the opportunity to share this evening with um, Mike McGinnis and Larry Phillips. Mike McGinnis has a, uh, he goes to a church there in O'Brien, Florida. And uh, what is the name again, uh, Mike, of the church you go to? It's uh, Grace, well, Grace Chapel is the name of the building in which we assemble, so we're just the church at Grace Chapel. There you go. And of course, Larry, for those who've been paying attention to the show, has, you know, whether it be house church, and we have worship service on Sunday, so. Um, yes, gentlemen, I appreciate you spending some time with me this evening. I certainly didn't, neither one of you had to, so I feel really blessed that you're willing to do this. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I mentioned a couple of things I would like to talk about tonight. One being, what does it mean to uh, live a, a, a Christ-centered life? Um, I also mentioned a couple of things about prayer. And I can't remember, what was the second one that I said, Larry? I should have wrote this down. Um, we were talking before the show. Well, I think you talked about, you know, um, Constantly remembering your past sins. Ah, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> so there's a couple of things that I want to talk about. Now, this is selfish of my part because these are things that I'm going through. Well, As I know, this, if any if any of our guests have any questions, you're you're welcome to post them on the chat room, and you know we'll share them with Mike and uh, and uh, you know if you want to post those, feel free to do so. Is that okay with you, Michael? Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, that might be selfish with tonight, so I want to make sure I get the things that I do. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so the first thing I'd like to talk about, gentlemen, um, is what does it mean? And I know that might sound simplistic to for you folks, uh, you two gentlemen, but for many of us, like myself, just coming recently to this realization that uh, – Jesus Christ is all that there is. That there's nothing that I can do, and that my works mean nothing, and that I really need to focus on Christ. I, I would, I would like to ask you two gentlemen. I'll start with you, Mike, if you're willing to, um, to talk more about what does it mean to, to live a Christ-centered life. I know it sounds simplistic, but you know what? <laughs> there's an awful lot of us out there that seem to have missed this message. Well, <laughs> of course, I, I would, uh, I would certainly, uh, though I, I know exactly what you mean about <clears throat> it being a, a sounding simplistic. There's uh, 
certainly nothing that is uh, more complex than that which you have set forth because in essence that's what the whole of the New Testament is written for uh, is that the people of, of God might be conformed to the image of Christ. Uh, the Lord said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, he said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Uh, so the great calling of God's people uh, insofar as how that the manifestation of Christ is set forth in the world uh, is the Christ-centered life. Uh, this is not something that's accomplished by the efforts of men, though men are those upon whom the Spirit of God and in whom the Spirit of God works to bring the manifestation of Christ to the world. Uh, the Lord said that uh, as long as he was in the world, he was the light, but that he, he said uh, that we are the light of the world. And so he has given to us uh, not only the uh, direct commandment or, uh, might I say, directive to be the light of the world, but he has also, by his grace, provided for us such things as are needed uh, for that to be manifested. <clears throat> now, having said that, that's much easier said than, than done, uh, and of course, in the, uh, in the mindset of the average person, and I guess the thrust of the ministry of many of those today who would call themselves Christians, and when I say they would call themselves Christians, I do not mean that in a disparaging way. Uh, they may indeed be Christians, uh, but it is there are many who call themselves Christians who are indeed give no true evidence of it. Uh, so everyone, I think, would agree that the Lord, when he works in the lives of his people, he causes fruit to be born. And this fruit is not always that which is recognized by the world, and certainly not by the religious world, as being the fruit of Christ. But I think that the, the primary purpose for which we have been put upon the earth is to magnify the name of Jesus Christ in the earth. I mean, this was the purpose of God in sending his son into the world is that he might be magnified and glorified in the purpose of redemption. And so it would only follow that those who are his followers, those who have been the recipients of that redemption that he has brought to pass, that they would be those who are being used of the Father to bring glory to his name through the magnification of Christ. Uh, the Lord said, if I be lifted up, 
I will draw men, uh, all men, unto myself. And, uh, of course, without going into detail uh, on that particular passage of Scripture, I think there are two ways in which we can see that uh, accomplished. One, of course, is the obvious one that he was lifted up uh, upon the cross on Calvary and so that he might bear witness unto the world. Uh, as that he is the Savior of sinners, that he is the Savior of those people for whom he came into the world to bleed and die. But he also, there's also the meaning in that that has to do with the fact that he is lifted up by those in whom his spirit is pleased to dwell. And those being uh, those folks and people that are born again by his spirit. Now, I don't want to get, you know, way too far off, but just kind of as a as a introduction, I guess, that would be what I the first way that I would approach the concept if someone asked me uh about what it is to uh live the Christian life, uh, to live a Christ centered life. Uh, you cannot live a Christ-centered life if Christ is not the center. Uh, you know, it's impossible. I mean, if we see him as somebody who did something, and now we're going to go out here and do something that's even greater uh, or that we're going to add to what he's done, then we've missed the whole point. So that's the first thing I would say is that we don't get uh, too far, so far into what we're calling the Christ-centered life that we miss Christ. That's a very good point. Now, when you say missing uh, Christ, you think it's, are you saying that because, uh, what do you mean, like uh, works, our own works, being, getting focused on ourselves? Well, exactly. I mean, the sad thing is that today there's probably more preaching on the Bible and the New Testament uh, than there's ever been in the course of history. Uh, I mean, there are just the, the airwaves, the Internet. I mean, everything is just full of just all sorts of doctrine, much of it purporting to be Christianity. But it, it's an amazing thing that so little of it is totally focused from beginning to end, on Christ. And so it doesn't make a difference what you may know about the gospel. If Christ is not the sum and substance of all that those who are seeking to be his followers and claiming to be his followers, if he is not the central point of their whole life, then they're... They have missed Christ. That, that's what I mean by that. Mm. Do you feel it's kind of uh, maybe egotistical? It's more like it's one of these things that are trying to maybe men are out there trying to prove their, you know, their own their own personal worth than actually, uh, you know, praising uh, our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. I think it's well, kinda... well I, I don't think, I mean, if you ask them that, I don't think they would say that was true. But, you know, the evidence of 
of things uh, means more than what we say. Um, And so it is a true thing that the natural man is, he loves his own righteousness much more than the righteousness of Christ. Uh, And he has more confidence in his righteousness than he has in the righteousness of Christ. And if you don't believe that is true, then start preaching, and I'm not saying you're not, but I'm saying when a man, when when you start preaching Christ and Christ alone, uh, that he is the sum total of the salvation of his people, you will run across people uh, pretty quickly who will say, but man has to do something. Now, that right there is... That that's not a simple problem. That's a complete detour. When somebody says, "But uh, it's Christ and Christ alone," whether it is Christ working in us, both the will and the do of His good pleasure, producing fruit in us, or it is in the declaration of the gospel uh, of Christ's righteousness. Wherein we declare that 100% of the righteousness of God's people is found in Christ, and so that that's basically, you know, what what I'm getting at there. All right. What do you think, Larry? What's your take on this, as far as a, a, a what does it mean to have, have a uh, living a or having being a Christ-centered life? <clears throat> You there, Larry? Did we lose Larry? Uh, he looks like it looks like he hung up. Uh oh. That's okay. I will, he'll come back. He'll come back. Don't worry about it. He's he's not. Uh, I figure it out. So so, uh, so yeah, we were talking about this. We see. I got a question for you. So why is it? What is it? What? <laughs> this might be a loaded question. I don't know. But it seems to me from listening to your sermons that you did. You know, you you. <laughs> It, this has kind of been a process for you to finally get to this point of realizing that, you know, it's Christ and Christ alone, and that uh, um, that your wor- your your own personal works aren't going to act there. To uh, when did you figure this out? When did you finally realize that um, it is uh, that you you can't earn or uh, contribute or add more to? Uh, what Christ has already done. What did you finally figure this out, Mike? Sorry about that. I, well, can you I hear me? It. Yes, we can hear you. Yeah. I'm sorry, I got cut <laughs> off there. Uh, you were asking me what I... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, yeah, but, I, I, yeah, hold on a second. Hold on a second. No. Uh, I'm just in the middle of asking Mike a question, then I'll, I'll get okay. back to you. Okay, there? All right. Um, so, yeah, so when did you finally realize, because, you know, this is part of your journey. It seems to me... For many folks, it's part of their journey uh, that God works with them. This kind of you have to make a lot of mistakes until you finally realize uh, that you're making a mistake. You know what I mean? Well, I don't know that I've finally realized it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's I've uh, I've certainly see it more clearly than I did uh, when I began my journey. Uh, but I, I believe that. <clears throat> You see, that is the that is the journey uh, for the children of God. 
uh, is to come to that place. Now, it's one thing to say doctrinally. See, I, I can say, uh, well, I believe that Christ is my salvation, and I do believe that. Uh, I can preach that. And that is, you know, that's a deep-seated belief, and it's something that I have come to see more clearly as time has gone on. But then at the same time, having said that, there is within us, each one of us, an evil heart of unbelief. And that evil heart of unbelief is not changed. Uh, it is overwhelmed sometimes by the glory of Christ as he is pleased to, to work in us. But it, it's always seeking to chip away at the truth of God. And uh, there's always, uh, the flesh is always going to be trying to get us to come up with ways and means whereby to exalt the flesh and to make it have some place in this work. Uh, and and that, that's just because of the wicked nature that we have. And we will never be free from that until uh, the grave takes it from us and we are made uh, those... Uh, uh, this, incor this corruptible puts on incorruption. And at that point in time, then we will fully realize that uh, Christ is all. Uh, but, uh, just, I mean, this has really uh, been the, the focus of, of my journey from the moment in time that the Lord uh, called me uh, to, to know Christ. But that's not to say that I've had the same understanding of it or that I've had the same uh, clarity of vision of it. But there's, there, uh, I mean, from the earliest of times when the Lord began to deal with me, though if you had asked me at that time, I might have uh, spoken of it to you in terms that would uh, be somewhat different than what I'm telling you right now. But I've never, uh, and I'm speaking of my own journey, uh, the Lord has been from the, from the beginning teaching me uh, that I have nothing but Christ. And uh, that's certainly not, it's not perfect even yet in my understanding <laughs> And uh, certainly not in the evidence of uh, uh, of my own conduct sometimes. But nonetheless, uh, it is that which I believe that God's people are hungering for. And that's, that's why when a man who, regardless of his religious background, uh, that's why when a man hears the gospel, the pure gospel of Christ and Christ alone, it is such a sweet message to him because he, there's a, 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 a clarity of thought that comes when we begin to see uh, that Christ has, has purchased our redemption. 
Now, all the ramifications of that, we, we'll be ever learning that until the time that we part, depart from this world. But uh, maybe that wasn't too confusing of an answer. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, now, okay, uh, Larry. Uh, yeah, sorry mind. about that. I got I got disconnected, but uh, that's okay. No, I I I really don't think I could say it any better. I think that we're all on this journey if we are in Christ and we all, I mean, my own experience is the longer I'm on it, the more I see that I'm in need of Christ. You know, the more that I recognize my own proneness to being in the flesh and my own need of a savior. You know, I was thinking about that passage in first Corinthians first chapter it says that no flesh should glory in his presence and you know what <laughs> like like mike said that's a lot easier said and read than done but it does the next verse says but of him are ye in christ jesus who of god is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as it is written he that glorieth let him glory in the lord and i think that's what uh, that's what i got from what mike just said that that sums it up quite well uh that's and you know the sad thing is that a lot of uh believers think that uh that's a a place that they, the understanding of that is a place they arrive at that they just have a perfect understanding of it and then they never uh, deviate from it, you know, in any sense from then on. Now, the fact is that we may not deviate from it doctrinally and the things that we uh, say and, and write and that sort of thing, but in the practical course of our daily lives, which is where the Spirit of God is applying these things to us, uh, then there is a journey. And because a man can speak about these things doctrinally, uh, it does not necessarily mean that he uh, sees them clearly, you know, in the application of them. Oh, absolutely. And, and so that's that's really at the very heart, I believe, of the original question that we began with about what is the Christ-centered life. Uh, it is a quest on the part of those who are called by the Lord, and I'm speaking of this in a in the uh, from a from our human perspective, because we know that the Lord is the one who is actually working these things in us, and we don't even see it or understand it or know anything about it because he, he's causing these things to come to pass. But as they are being applied to us and to our understanding, we see them unfold. And the sweetness of those things that he is pleased to teach us, oftentimes through our tears, whenever we, knowing what, the truth is, knowing that Christ is our all yet, at times in our practical walk, going contrary to that. 
maybe expecting yeah. more from someone else than uh, than we expect from ourselves, <laughs> you know, or expecting that someone else should have refrained from doing something that uh, you know that they that they did, and we become judgmental. Uh, but as as the Spirit of Christ works in us, and we esteem one another better than than ourselves, uh, and we recognize that there's not one thing that makes us any different from anyone else, uh, and I'm speaking about brethren, other right. than the grace right. and mercy of God working in us and teaching us. And, and if we all have the same testimony uh, that we believe Jesus Christ is our salvation, then that's the... the the, the, the place that's the glue that holds us together. Yeah, this is it's our only hope. He's our only hope. Absolutely, that's it. Well, you know, I I can say in my own experience, you know, that um, I have faltered and failed miserably in that department, you know, and um, and uh, I thank God for His continual grace and you know it's it's quite an assurance or comfort to know that all of our sins are under the blood um, even in the midst of our falterings and failings you know I mean I'm glad that it's uh, you know I'm glad that it's not I'm glad our salvation isn't based upon our on our performance you know and I'm glad that it's it's. Uh, oh man! And I'm glad also that you know even if uh, I'll just speaking of myself, you know there is there is a a value to understanding you know the doctrine. Uh, I I remember the the great comfort I got from the first time I read, you know, all that the Father given me will come to me, and all that come to me I will in no wise cast out. You know, the first thing that came to my mind is, well, am I one of those that was given to him by the Father? And then the other question that came to my mind is, have I come to Christ knowing that I had? There was some assurance knowing he wouldn't cast me out. And that's continued down through the years even when I mess up. That's right. Well, you know, I think one thing too is you, as you look at the the Christians walk, and uh, I, I'm uh, I don't know if all of you fellows have read Bunyan's classic uh, Pilgrim's Progress, but I would encourage you if you've never read it uh, to get a copy of it and read it. Uh, if you have read it, I'd encourage you to read it again. I think you you know a person ought to read that every couple of years at least. But there, the, the Christian life is not a destination, but it is a journey. And uh, it, it's like climbing a mountain, and we see the, the, the top, and we're climbing and laboring and struggling uh, by the grace of God as the Spirit works in us to, to get to that mountaintop. But when we get to the mountaintop, then we realize that, there's an even higher mountain on the other side. 
and it's it's always an, an upward journey. Uh, but the greatest comfort is that the Lord teaches us each step of the way that he is the one who brought us thus far. And if he brought us thus far, he will not abandon us. Uh, he will not give us over, but he will bring us on. And I believe that that is probably one of the greatest comforts that comes to the children of God uh, as they journey onward. I would like to, to take this to the uh, another direction of this conversation, and uh, and I want to talk about uh, what I've been going through personally with this constant being reminded. Almost, it's not almost. I've been tormented at night of my past sins prior to uh, the Lord uh, grabbing a hold of me. Um, and I would, you gentlemen have had this walk a lot longer than I've had, so I want to get your counsel. And your, I imagine you've gone through similar circumstances. The other thing is the tremendous amount of guilt and trouble I feel. Uh, the example would be uh, like my son's mother, and uh, you know this whole thing about doing good unto those that spitefully use you on a constant basis. And, how, and it's really, really getting to my soul and my spirit, I guess, and uh, about, you know, my resentment and anger. I hate the fact that I am resentful. And also I'm discovering, too, that just very simple things, things that how I interact with others, that um, because I'm very, uh, it's, uh, it's almost, uh, you know, I've been accused before of being uh you're too sensitive, and I definitely am becoming too sensitive <laughs> with guilt of uh, uh, just a torment of, at night of going over the. And this is this uh, this has happened a few times uh, where we've had these phases where it's not just one night or an episode, and all the praying I can do it doesn't seem to take it away, and I don't know if you gentlemen have experienced this before, but this uh, nightly reminder of all the past sins I've done, and every time I think I've repented of some of the past sins, new ones pop up in my head <laughs> to repent. And you know, I have to be honest with you, as a man of the world for most of my adult life, and I've done some things that I'm not very proud of, and definitely contrary to what God wants, and um, I don't know. I, I just wanted to get your counsel. Is this uh, something that uh, it's just a quote-unquote phase? Should it be called it a phase? Is this something that, uh, as being, for you know, for, you know, God's children, that we're so? Oh, it's uh, this feeling of uh, well, you know, this as I'm accused of of being too sensitive. Not so much about other people as much as about my own behavior, my own thinking. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily even doing anything to anybody, but it's just my thinking that that, that just is uh, 
well, it's very, it's it's really burdensome and it's very uh, troubling to see how wicked and uh, uh, bitter and angry and uh, uh, you know what a sinner I actually am. I'm a lot worse of a person than I ever thought I was. Is this something that's going to be a constant thing? <laughs> Does that make sense? The question doesn't even make sense. Well, well, sure, it makes sense. I think it's a, a very, uh, you know, it's a, a very appropriate question, and and one that uh, that needs to be answered truthfully. Uh, and the truth of the matter is that the 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 more that we believe the righteousness of Christ, the more that we see and understand our own corruption. Now, uh, I think that it is a true thing, and I, I, I know that <clears throat> there is in most religions, and this is especially true in the uh, in most of the religious orders and and uh, uh, sects and denominations that I have been associated with over time is the belief in, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, progressive sanctification. And that that term in various forms uh, literally means that a man is actually improving uh, as he goes along the Christian way and uh, he can more or less put his sins behind him and he moves on. Uh, and he's getting, you know, a little bit more holy each day. Now, as we've studied the scriptures, we realize that that is not true. Uh, it's not true in any form because we're, we're no different left to ourselves apart from the work of the Spirit of God in us we're not a bit different today than we were before we ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ or believed it. Uh, we're still the same way. Uh, the difference is that the Spirit of God has come and illumined us, and he has shown us what we are by nature and to varying degrees. And it would be, if the Lord showed a man how great a sinner he was, all at one time, he would be totally destroyed. He, he would just be reduced to uh, despair. He would not even, uh, that would just be the end of him. Uh, but what the Lord does is he illumines us, and the man, manner in which he does that is by sending his Spirit. And, of course, the Lord said when the Spirit is come, he will convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the greater the work of the Spirit is in a man, the more acquainted with those three things that he becomes. And when I say acquainted, I don't, again, I'm not talking about doctrinally, I'm talking about in reality. Uh, so that a man knows more clearly after he's walked with the Lord for. 40 years, he sees more clearly the wickedness of his own heart than he ever did when he first began the journey. And had he known what he knows now about himself when he began the journey, he probably never would have begun. And again, <laughs> I'm speaking humanly. Uh, I think it's interesting, and you all may have read this, that uh, John Newton, 
who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace along with many others and uh, it lived to a, a fairly old age. And when he was upon his deathbed, uh, someone asked him, uh, of all the truth and, and doctrines that he had taught throughout his life, what were the, the things that uh, he remembered uh, the, the most? And he, he said two things. He said, what a great sinner I am and what a great Savior Christ is. So that's really the, the, the answer to your question is that you've only just begun uh, to see the corruption that's in your heart, uh, even as all of us. And, and uh, that is the work of the Spirit in us, is to convince us of sin, of righteousness being the righteousness of Christ, the only source of it, and of judgment, and knowing that if we should stand before the Lord in the place of judgment, apart from the righteousness of Christ, then that our sin would surely condemn us. Uh, so that, uh, you know, you, you'll never be free from that. And that might be depressing, you know. To yeah, the man, it's a little well, bit. to the man, well, to, to the man who has been, it's been ingrained in his mind that he's going to see this great progression in himself, uh, he's going to be disappointed because he's not going to see a great progression in himself. Now, he can confess with the Apostle Paul that he's not what he once was, you know. He he, he is, uh, from that standpoint, you know, he can see that there is a, uh, a change that has been brought. If any man be in Christ, behold, he is a new creation. Uh, old things are passed away, all things will become new. But Paul... Uh, even uh, towards the end of his life, you know, confessed that he was the chief of sinners and that he, you know, he, he had no hope in, in any righteousness of his own. And so I think the more clearly we see the absolute righteousness of Christ, uh, it appears, our sin appears more heinous. Yeah, it's almost unbearable. I have to tell you, it's, it is. Uh, it, uh, it, it's, uh, uh, the only reprieves I seem to have is uh, either reading the Word of God, which then kind of reminds me more. And we, there seems to be a little bit of a reprieve because of reading the Word, it's not, and not in my own mind, or listening to sermons and all that. But it, it's there's no way of hiding. <laughs> I'm being reminded over and over again of who I am, yeah. and it's not a pretty picture at all. And you're, <laughs> this is this is a. It is, it, it is, you know, you're talking about someone that, uh, who I was, you know, was hoping of some kind, some kind of, you know, progression, as you talked about, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, improvement and uh, holiness. <laughs> but it's turning out to be that more and more I do this, more I just, uh, my desperate need for my Lord Savior really is, and this is not just some kind of cliche. This is not some kind of saying the right thing to be part of some kind of club. You know, I'm in Ohio, Larry in Missouri, and you're in Florida. 
you know, though we're brothers in Christ, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's not like joining some kind of fraternity, you know what I mean? And working the the degrees, if you will, or whatever. It's, uh, this is the real thing. This is the real deal. And uh, God's real, Christ is real, and my sin is real. And it's tormenting me deeply. What's your what what's your take, Larry? Well, well, I think that uh, you know the the solution is the one that 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 Mike started with, and that is, is the more we focus on Christ and Him crucified, the more relief we get. In other words, um, when we see Christ's sacrifice. And we remind ourselves why he came to this cursed earth in the first place to save sinners, and we recognize that we're the chief of sinners. We're in a we're in a good camp, you know. Paul said he was the chief of sinners. And Christ didn't come to call the righteous. And so when we recognize we're in, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, in the sinners club. Um, but the difference is we're sinners, you know, saved by grace. That gives us some hope because we look at we look at the perfect sacrifice of Christ, and that is you said that is our only hope. The sacrifice is our only hope. There's no other hope outside of Christ and His completed work. And and I think that uh, I was thinking on this today when I we were talking to. Uh, you know, Brother Jerry last time, you know, Jerry said this very same thing. You know, I, he said, Jerry's, you know, older than any of, any of us. I, I don't know how I haven't asked uh, Brother Mike McGinnis how old he is. Uh, I'm, but I'm 64. How, how old are you? 64. 64. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Brother Jerry's in, I think, 75, 76 or something like that. Good. Yeah. He said he yeah. said he was seventy seven. Seventy seven. Yeah. You know, and he's he's saying the same thing that uh that the that was just you know, he's saying pretty much the same thing that the guy that was just referred to that wrote Amazing Grace, you know. He's saying the same thing at his age. I talked to my dad at eighty seven the other day and I my dad told me he, of course, he was. He's had to live with my my mother all these years. That's in this progressive sanctification movement. My dad said to me, "Larry, perfection this side of glory does not exist." <laughs> that's what he said. Eighty-seven years old. He said, "The only perfection that exists is, you know, what Christ did." That's exactly correct. You know, so and, and that is that that is the the work of the Spirit in us is to teach us yeah. that. Yeah. Now I, I uh, didn't neglect uh, uh, prayer by accident because the next question I want to talk about is about and it's concerning my prayer life, and it's something that I noticed that uh, I've been struggling with late maybe for longer than I ever realized. <clears throat> I don't know how much of this has to do with, uh, you know, being raised a Mormon 
uh, maybe has nothing. It's just a convenient excuse at this point. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm struggling with uh, my prayer life. Uh, I do not probably prayer as much as I should. I'm one of those guys in the morning and night type of thing. And if I think about it during the day, I would say I probably don't pray enough that that's a shit. But uh, uh, but you know when I when I do pray, one of the things I've noticed is a I don't I'm learning I, I don't don't know what to ask for except for his his mercy, his grace, uh, his loving kindness, salvation. That uh, uh, I pray for you know things you know yes I try to praise my God, but more and more think about my my God, and more and more beyond, I can comprehend who he is, and I don't know what to think of. I don't know. This might be something that you gentlemen have gone through before. I don't know. I, but this is what I'm going through, and I want some counsel on this because it's um, it's a struggle for me. And one of the things I'm struggling with, and I mentioned to Larry earlier about this, about, you know, I, I would talk like everyone else, and maybe this is the way it's supposed to be, and think, just keep it this way. You know, you pray to our Father in Heaven and in the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, is it okay for us, knowing who our Lord and Savior is, Jesus Christ, to be praying to Him? Should we be praying to Him? Should we, um, I know this might sound uh, uh, childish and adolescent and uh, immature for someone who calls himself a, a believer in Christ, but I'm going through this for the first time. And I, I and um and I'm having struggles with it and I, I guess and I have been prayers, I'm like, God, you know, my my father, am, am I you know, we talk about the, the triune God and and uh, I I'm just struggling right now with the prayers. Is it okay to pray to Christ? Is uh or is it or should it just be as we've been told, you know, as growing up to Pray to Heavenly Father, David Jesus Christ. And uh, I, this might sound simplistic to you, gentlemen, but it is something that I'm uh, troubled with, and I need some counsel on it. So, and uh, I don't know, Mike, could you start with this? I'll ask you. Okay. Well, <clears throat> let me. You know, this, of course, this uh, prayer is a big topic. Uh, I think probably. <clears throat> Uh, one of the things would probably be good uh, if we understand to, to begin with that most people's conception of prayer is quite skewed from what Scripture teaches that prayer is. Um, and, of course, we can see that in the model prayer which the Lord Jesus Christ gave to his disciples when they asked him, how should we pray? And he said, uh, when you pray, uh, pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, prayer is not primarily asking God for something. But yet that's what most people, when you mention about, or when people talk about praying, generally what they're uh, speaking about is asking God for something. Uh, you know, if somebody gets sick, we they say, "Will you pray for me?" and uh, or pray for so and so, and you know, or ask God for this or that or the other. Now, I'm not trying to say that there is not a place 
for uh, supplication, you know, of praying and asking God uh, for certain things. But that's not the primary function of prayer. Uh, The primary function of prayer is to cause us to pause and consider who God is. Uh, We read in the book of Hebrews, our God is a consuming fire. And when the Lord Jesus prayed to his Father, he said, Hallowed be thy name. Uh, Prayer is the beginning of a confession of a man's fear of God. And, of course, the fear of God uh, leads to the worship of God. And so prayer is primarily an act of worship. Uh, when when the Apostle Paul met with uh, Lydia and those women down by the, uh, the sea, uh, or down, down by a river, I think it was. I, I, it was a body of water anyway. They were down there uh, since they were making purple cloth. But it says that uh, they resorted to a place where prayer was wont to be made. And of course, that word that, that's used there for prayer is, is the same word that's used for worship in the Scripture. And worship and prayer are two synonymous things. Uh, it's really impossible to worship God without praying. And I would say it's also not possible to pray without worshiping. Uh, so that if we understand that, that our our purpose in prayer is not to get something done or get something from God, but it is first of all to pause and consider who he is and to to pray in that fashion. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, I'm going to kind of make a little dog trail here and get off of that that main subject here and go to one of your specific questions was, could you pray, uh, should you pray uh, to the Father or should is it okay to pray uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or to pray to the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, if we clearly understand who the Lord Jesus Christ is, then there's no difference in praying to the Lord Jesus Christ or praying to the Father. Because whenever the Lord was with uh, his disciples in the 14th chapter of John, and uh, Philip uh, asked him, uh, he said, uh, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And the Lord turned to him and said, Philip, have I been so long time with you and ye have not known who I am? He said, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And so that there is no separation or, or differentiation between the Father and the Son except insofar as the Lord has seen fit to reveal himself to us as a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But but the reality is that uh, there's nothing wrong with praying uh, unto the Lord Jesus Christ uh, or praying unto the Father. 
because if we pray unto the Father, the only manner in which we're to pray to the Father is in the name of the Son, and that's in the authority of the Son. So if we pray in the authority of the Son, and the Son and the Father are one, then it doesn't really matter what the words are that we use. So, uh, you know, that the, the, the words that we use in prayer are not the thing that's most important, but it is to have a regard of the one to whom we come to in prayer. And we have the same regard unto the Son as we do unto the Father or unto the Spirit. Uh, you know, but they are, uh, the Lord has seen fit to manifest himself uh, in these various uh, manners. Now, uh, it, 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 I mean, is there, Larry, you got any comments on that so far? Or, or uh, uh, well, Michael, I think, yeah. Is there a further question? I mean, uh, I, I'm not, I, I can, we can talk some more about prayer, but that's just the prime, the first thing I wanted to say about it. Yeah, I think it's, I think you're right on target. And, uh, you know, and of course, uh, yeah, it is a very broad subject. I mean, uh, I would encourage people to go, you know, go to the ninth chapter of Daniel and read through his prayer. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, obviously we need to understand we're in the new covenant. <laughs> And we need to understand that you know uh, all of our all of our past and present and future sins have been forgiven. However, we are also told that we are to confess our sins. And in the ninth not in the ninth chapter of Daniel, he says, um, "I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, great and dreadful God.'" <laughs> like you were saying, That's right. you know, we have sinned and have committed iniquity, and so on. And he also refers to, "O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto Thee, That's right. but unto us confusion of faces." And he goes on and says, "O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of faces, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against Thee." And he says in the ninth verse, To the Lord our God belongeth mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. So I think what I heard you saying was that, you know, prayer is to put us in the right position before God to realize he is king and we are we're his subjects, you know. Right. And uh, once we, in the 16th verse there, it says, O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee. And so uh, I think there's some real instruction in Daniel's prayer as well. Exactly. And, you know, and and looking at uh, the the instruction of the Lord uh, to us in in the specific fashion in which the disciples ask him, you know, how should we then pray, that that matter of worship is is the first thing that he told them to do. Yeah. Uh, when he said, "Hallowed be thy name," but then he said, "But then the the next thing is a recognition of his absolute sovereign 
sovereign will and purpose. And the the purpose of prayer is to bring us to a place of being conformed unto that will, to be reconciled unto his will. Because he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Uh, that is, that it is already decreed in the heavens, may it be done in the earth. And, of course, as <clears throat> in order for a man to pray according to the will of the Lord, he has to submit unto that will, whatever it is. Yes. Yes. Even as, as Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And so we don't know what the will of God is. The only way we ever know that what the will of God is is what he shows us, what he reveals to us, because the secret things belong to God, and those things that are revealed belong to us. So that as we pray, uh, this is a matter of worshiping God and being brought into conformity with his will. And if we recognize that in reality, now a lot of people say, Lord, uh, you know, this, this, and this, if it be thy will. Well, that's that's okay. There's certainly nothing wrong with that, but that's not essentially what the Lord is saying there in, in his instruction, but rather uh, the instruction is, Lord, make us conformable unto thy will, whatever your will is. Uh, you know, it doesn't make any difference to us. And, and in order for a man to truly uh, say that, and when I say say it, I mean when he truly says it in his heart and mind, uh, in his soul, is that he recognizes that God is an absolute God, that his will is that which shall be done in the heavens and the earth. Yeah. And so we're asking the Lord, make us conformable to it, make us... Uh, glad of it. And so that is, uh, you know, one of the, the purposes of prayer. Uh, of course, uh, another one uh, is, as Brother Larry brought out there, is confess our sins, uh, forgive us our trespasses, and recognizing that we're no different than anybody else because of the fact that he says, as, as we forgive those who trespass against us, because we recognize we're all sinners, and we can't expect from that standpoint that the Lord should forgive us if we don't forgive those who have sinned against us. And then, of course, there's thanksgiving. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. And, uh, you know, to be thankful for such things as, as he has, uh, has put within our hand. So all of those things go to make up prayer, and uh, I think that prayer uh, is the language of the Spirit in a man. And uh, a man, it's but the answer of the Spirit back unto the Lord, because he, he, um, he works in us with groans that cannot be uttered. That is, they are, uh, it's not a matter of, the understanding of man primarily, again, from like, say, a doctrinal standpoint about prayer, but rather that the witness of the Spirit 
in a man. Uh, a prayer it might not even involve spoken words because sometimes we're overwhelmed to the point that we cannot even speak. But the groanings that can't be uttered, you know, they are the, the work of the Spirit uh, within us. So that the the groanings of a man, whether he speaks those things with his mouth or not, are nonetheless the work of God in him to cause him uh, to seek the Lord. And this is, I suppose that there's probably no other uh, greater evidence that the Spirit of God is at work in a man than uh, when he prays. You know, one thing about, we talk about uh, absolute God and, uh, um, you know, for myself, and I, I can't speak for others, but I can imagine others are going through this or going through this. The more and more one realizes this, the more this is why it's an issue for me. Uh, when you start to really start to be convicted that there really is an absolute God, a sovereign God, it's not just some kind of an idea, a notion, a theory. It's frightening. It is frightening. Absolutely. It's frightening because the truth of the matter is to do anything he wants to. Be God. If he wants to strike me, dead, strike me dead right now. Exactly. He, he, can, he can allow me to suffer in vain for the next 30 years. He can do whatever, he, can do whatever, he, whatever he wants. And he's God. Um, and this is, uh, so, so, you know, that question about, you know, who you know, to pray to Heavenly Father or to Jesus Christ I, I, it's, an, it's an honest question I'm asking for the first time where I was just basically if I'm honest with you I'm just basically regurgitating what somebody else told me to do and I'm really, I really I, I believe that God is even I mean I always had a notion and a, you know, uh, some I get a belief you know, of him being sovereign but still with the hope that he was some kind of like a genie in a bottle as well. Exactly. Well, that's... And, and I'm uh, and I'm going through this phase where it's like, well, I'm really in. There is a God, and I'm really in a pickle. <laughs> I'm in a pickle. Yeah. I, and I said this before uh, last show. I, I mentioned it a little bit, but uh, this whole, you know, that without coming to real, without the grace of God to help a man come to terms with his circumstances and who he actually is, who we are, and, and and who I am at least. I can't talk about, you know. The only thing that's like, I can't even do anything about me. That's I really have been reduced to a point where I can't do much about anything. Except, for, yeah, except just go... Oh God, have mercy on, on, on a day, on a moment, on a day-to-day basis, and I'm, uh, and I am, I, uh, I don't, I don't think it's a, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you got a bad attitude, or you're just being negative, all the things of the world, but no, I, I, I honestly, I'm first time in my life being realistic about the situation. That's right. Well, I, absolutely. I mean, when a man, when a man comes face to face with a true and living God. Uh, and he has some inkling of uh, the total 
uh, inability of man to to change anything. Now, you, of course, you, everybody always hears the old slogan, you know, prayer changes things. And that's that's the view that most people have about what prayer is. And nothing could be farther from the truth. Prayer does not change things. God did not give us prayer to change things. He, he has given us prayer uh, to make us aware of who he is and that the fact that he alone can do according to the good pleasure of his will, and there's not a thing in the world that uh, any one of us can do about it. And that's, uh, uh, you know, on the one hand, it is the most frustrating of revelations, but it is also one of the most comforting of of, uh, uh, revelations also when we come to that place to understand that he is that kind of a God. Now, do you think, gentlemen, do you think this is the reason why, well, for lack of term, terminology on my part, false Christianity flourishes? Because if <laughs> if they were teaching this stuff to the average person on a, you know, daily basis, uh, needless to say, their numbers would diminish drastically. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it gets into the minds of uh, of a man that, uh, well, the first thing you see that uh, that happens when you when you start preaching the absolute sovereignty of God, if a man has a, a view of prayer as being something that he does in order to get something that he wants, then the first thing that he says is, well, why do we even need to pray? Because, I mean, if God's absolutely sovereign and he's going to do his will anyway, then what can we do about it? Well, that's the place where a man needs to come to see because realistically uh, there would be no reason to pray to a God who was not an absolute sovereign. Hmm. Because if he's an absolute sovereign, if he's not an absolute sovereign, I want to go pray to the one that is. Yeah. Well, you know, we live in a world that's that operates, uh, I, and I know this for a fact because I came out of that world, or God drew me out of it, to be honest with you, uh, that uh, we live in a world that operates under the magic, uh, this this whole <laughs> incantation of spells, whether they realize or not, where that's, you know, uh, if you say the right things, you say the right prayer, you get this and that. And, or, or get enough people to pray. See, there's a big idea about, oh, well, you know, we get this prayer circle and there's power in having all these people praying. Well, there's no power in all these people praying. Uh, now, the Lord said where uh, two or, or, or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And he said, you know, if uh, if two or three of you agree on anything, uh then that thing shall be done. Uh, that is because there, there's a recognition of that which is the will of God, because if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But there's, he doesn't hear us if we're praying, you know, not according to that will. Right. Well, you know, it's another thing, too, just, and I've heard you in the sermon and uh, Larry's mentioned this as well about Lot, and 
you know, goodness gracious, here's a, a man like Watt, who's uh, elected of God, God loves, you know, foundation from the beginning of the world, and and here's, you know, Lot wasn't that great of a guy, yet God loved him. And it makes yeah. you think, it makes you think, you know, um, it really makes you think uh, how, uh, who God really is, I, I, I when I say that, I'm not saying that in any way being disrespectful. <laughs> really, it makes you start to think, yeah, he really is sovereign. He can choose who he wants to like and who he loves and who he cares about and who he hates. And I don't want to be one of those that, that he hates. Well, exactly right. <laughs> and, and the thing the thing is, it's that, you know, you come to the conclusion, well, there ain't a thing in the world that I can do about that. You know, there, you know there's nothing uh, that I can do, and that, that humbles us even more. Yeah, yeah. you know, the uh, Psalmist David is a tremendous example of a prayer warrior. <laughs> I mean, I love to read his prayers. I was looking at the 31st Psalm. It says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for a house of defense to save me. And he goes on and he says, um, Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. And, you know, when you start reading some of the psalmist's prayers, um, you know, he, he also includes in his prayers, like you were saying, you know, um, Brother Mike, um, the praise part of it in the end he says blessed be the Lord for he has showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city um, so you know I, I I have I have said this to, over the years when I get in the most despair and downhearted uh, I find myself fleeing to the Psalms because they're such a tremendous comfort because the Psalmist David, you know, he was a man, of, he was a great sinner, but he also had a great Savior and he he was a man after God's own heart. You know, God, God looked at him favorably and so anyway, I, I really... Uh, I really enjoy, you know, going to the Psalms and those times where we're plagued by questions and confusion and that kind of thing. Yeah, and and one of the, the glorious things that we see the more that we study the Psalms is that, uh, you know, as David is writing those Psalms, uh, he's actually speaking in the voice of Christ, uh, even as that one that you you set forth there. Uh because these were the very words that the Lord Jesus uh, spoke when he hung on the cross. And, uh, you know, so uh, all of these things, uh, when we, we see the, uh, the intricacies, for lack of a better term, of God's work in the midst of his people uh, to... Uh, to magnify his son, uh, it, it's just a glorious uh, 
manifestation. Uh, and and it, it's like a well that never runs dry. Uh, the more that you look at uh, at the truth of uh, uh, of the word, the the more you see that Christ is on every page. There, there's no, uh, there's just nothing uh, that uh, there, there's no place where he cannot be found. All right. Looks like looks like uh, Larry dropped again. Huh? I'll come back in. Uh, it, would it be all right if I introduce you to uh, a young man that's who knows the Lord and uh, is uh, well, he's half your age. <laughs> is that are you there, uh, Arizona? Is this is this Ryan? Ryan, can you hear me? I see it's open. I don't know if you can hear me. Maybe he doesn't know. Brian, if that's you, I uh, guess is Andrew, Kansas. Hi, Michael. Walton. Yes, it's me. Sorry, I was muted out. Oh, it's okay. Hey, I, I wanted you to, uh, uh, hopefully uh, Larry will come back in. He hung up. But I wanted you to uh, to, to meet uh, my brother in Christ that uh, I'm very grateful that I've come to know. And that is uh, Mike McGinnis. I don't know if you've heard him on Sermon Audio or anything like that, but... Uh, I don't know what you've been hearing. If you, I imagine you have been enjoying the conversation. Would I? Is oh, that correct? absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Well, uh, Mike, this is Ryan. Ryan Taylor. He lives in Arizona. Okay, Ryan. Good to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you. Yeah. Do you have any comments or questions for for Mike? Uh, no, I not not right right now. Um, I've got my my kids who just finished up dinner and want to get out the last uh, last last part of the day energies but uh, yeah I've been listening to the conversation tonight and I'm totally blessed by it and I think you've gotten some some really good sound uh, direction and advice from from both Larry and uh, and Mike so I, it's it's been great can can, can you re- can you relate to any of my questions in the past your your experience or Absolutely, I can totally relate to that. I, I felt like I was uh, almost in a very similar boat as you described, just uh, probably about a year and a half, two years ago now, when the Lord really started turning my whole life around and bringing me to the gospel. And if I can offer any sort of encouragement, it would be, you know, oftentimes when God really presses presses down on us with conviction and and uh, just a burden for our sin. Uh, let me just remind you that that often inevitably comes with uh, the glory, the glorious uh, relief uh, of the the gospel and of the reminder that we have forgiveness of our sins through what Christ has done. I mean, it's not just we we know history, we study the Reformation, we uh, we know who the man of sin, the son of perdition is as the reformers taught and proclaimed. We we understand these things, but we can forget very easily in our in our nature that uh, God has preserved his word. He has preserved the gospel. He has preserved the church um, so that we sinners in 2016 can know forgiveness of our sins. That's, so we sinners okay. who oh, I carry the... Yeah. Because Mike is, you know, he's 
he's been doing this a lot longer than you and I have, that's for sure. <laughs> With all due respect, Mike. And uh, is this the case with uh, Ryan? Oh, saying? absolutely. I mean, he's. I was enjoying hearing what he had to say because that's exactly, uh, exactly the truth. Good. I wasn't. I wasn't questioning what you were saying, Ryan. But I think sometimes hearing from somebody, well, who's our our elder and uh, and well, well, you know, one of, one of the encouraging things about uh, the fellowship of God's people is that uh, it reminds us uh, that we're not, uh, you know, a lot of times we get out here and we kind of feel like we're on an island, so to speak, and that uh, uh, maybe we're the only ones that think these crazy things. But then (laughs) it's an encouragement when we hear other brethren who uh, the Lord is basically dealing with in the same uh, fashion. And it's a great encouragement to God's people. Yeah, you know, and it's a it's a it's a fascinating thing too. Is it's age, it has several of us, but not that much. I mean, Ryan has taught me a lot, and he's you know, how much older am I to you, Ryan? I'm 15 years older than you. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean a thing. Uh, at least my my position and my you know, I've learned a lot from Ryan, and he's just a well, little. What does that matter? Well, well, it does matter. We live in a culture and a world, and if you're a man like myself who's spent an awful lot of time oh, oh, all my adult life until the past couple of years, absolutely in the world. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it is. I think it's really reassuring to know that different walks of life, different ages, different parts of the country. I agree with you, Mike. It's uh it does. It, it's been. It does feel like <laughs> many a times. I feel like an, an island. Kind of. It, it can be exhausting. So, I see you're back, Larry. Yes, I'm having all kind of challenges tonight, and that's all right. Ryan's um, joining us, Arizona. Good, good, good. Yeah, that's. He's down from where I was. We were talking earlier with Ryan and. He's from Mesa, Arizona, which that's where Rosette and I were married 40, 41 years ago. So Mesa <laughs> brings back brings back memories. I uh, I agree with what you said. I've met some young people who are in Christ that have just you know it's amazing. I think you know talking to some of the young people, and I'm thinking, wow, I think where I was at at that age. And I'm thinking, you know, Lord, you know, what kindness you've shown to these young folks that have brought them this quickly in the way. And, of course, then I've met people that have been very, very much uh, older who've come to a saving knowledge of Christ in their senior years. And so we're all in Christ, you know, and, and it's not... it's not a male or female or it's not a black or white or it's not a... Um, you know, uh, poverty or rich, or we're all leveled at the cross, you know. So, yeah. well, gentlemen, it's getting close. Well, it's going on about, I don't want to uh, take up too much more of uh, Mike's time here, but uh, we get closer to an hour and a half here. Is there any closing comments that uh, I, I would, I, well, first of all, I would like to hear some closing comments from. Uh, some encouraging words from Mike and then from Larry and then from Ryan, if it's all right. 
three gentlemen. Uh, well, <laughs> and it made us too well, old. Maybe, maybe uh, you know that. I mean, the encouraging word uh, for the sons of God is always going to be the same thing. There's, there's really only one place that I know of that uh, we can be encouraged uh, continually, and that is uh, in in Christ and Christ alone, because He is our hope and our expectation. He's there's nothing that needs to be added to him, and there's certainly nothing that can be taken from him. So that would be my word of encouragement. Thank you. Larry? Well, I agree. I, I say, you know, he's he's the great shepherd. I take you to the 23rd Psalm, you know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's the one that makes us to lie down in green pastures. He's the one that leads us beside the still waters. He's the one that restores our soul, and he's the one that leads us in paths of righteousness for his sake, you know, for his namesake. That's right. Yeah. That's an interesting passage of Scripture. Why does he yeah. Why does he do those things for his name? Yeah, yeah. You, you mean I'm not the center of the universe? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, kind of a, that's kind of an amazing revelation sometimes. Yeah, isn't it? How about you, uh, Ryan? Yeah, well, well I mean, I, I think they said it quite well. I I would just add that, you know, I know, I know when I was going through, you know, kind of, kind of the heavy stuff that you were describing, Mike, where you just, you feel like uh, you can't kind of shake that guilty feeling or, or whatnot. God seems to be allowing for conviction to to settle in that, you know, as Paul said, whatever we suffer in this life, whether it be for the sake of the gospel or just be, you know, uh, kind of the, the cares of this world type of thing, or, or even in the sense of being convicted that because of what Christ has done, because God has made a way through his son that whatever we endure in this life uh, will not compare to our time in eternity with him. Um, and, uh, and we have that because of what God has done for us. We wouldn't even know which way to look, which way to, which way it was up, right, down, left. I mean, we wouldn't have any clue if it wasn't for God opening our eyes uh, for making a way through his son uh, who not only kept the law perfectly for us, uh, but died in our place and clothes us in his righteousness and then opens our eyes to understand and to see all this and then to look forward to eternity with him. So whatever we suffer physically, spiritually, whatever it may be in this life doesn't compare to what he has promised us in Christ Jesus ahead. And, and, and more, more importantly, more to the point I wanted to get to is it all brings him glory. All of it, even the false teachers, even the heretics, even (laughs) it all brings God glory. And for all of eternity, we will stand there in amazement. Wow. Holy, holy is he. And how he was able to orchestrate all of this to his glory. We we get to just watch in magnificence for all of eternity. And and, uh, let that be an encouragement to anyone out there who is dealing with whatever it may be. 
that uh, it, it brings God glory in the end no matter what. Very good. Thank you, gentlemen. Well, uh, uh, Mike, uh, if you're enjoying this, if you'd like to join us again, uh, I sure would like you to come back. Yeah. Well, I I, I will, uh, uh, you know, as I can. If you will, uh, you know, call me next time like you did, and, and uh, if, if uh, I don't have any conflicts, which I, I don't foresee any, but you never know. But uh, sure, yeah, give me a call next week. Okay, and, you want to try it Monday, and then how about maybe uh, we can get a uh, I get a hold of Jerry and see if he wants to join us. Yeah, be right. What do you think, Larry? Would you? I think it'd be wonderful, and that <laughs> way I wouldn't have to talk as much. <laughs> well, no, I, I think this is a great opportunity. I, I would. I'd love to have Jerry and and uh, and Mike on together because uh, the, you know I I had the opportunity to be with them. For two two days, and uh, it's just a wonderful thing. Right, hey, Walt, is that you? Uh, yes, it is. I just want to—I've enjoyed the fellowship tonight, and I just want to say uh, to Mike McGinnis, I, I appreciate. I've been listening to your, some of your, your sermons, and they've been very uplifting. And just all of it—I'm not trying to pat you on the back. I'm just trying to give you some encouragement. <laughs> Keep oh no! It. Guess H says too. McKinnis is right on the money, so he's. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> so we do appreciate it, and it's you know, it's it, it's like you've talked about Walt's fellowship and having an opportunity to fellowship with like-minded brothers in Christ, and you know, doesn't happen that often. At least not for me, and I know for for you, Walt, and uh, and others. So, yeah, if everyone's in agreement, uh, let's try to just all. Meet up again Monday at seven thirty, huh? Sounds good. Yeah. Yep. Ryan, would you like to join us as well? If you can. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll do my best. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You you're, <laughs> you know it's, it's it's actually it's really good to hear from you, Ryan. It really is. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, so. Well, right. uh, thank you, thank you, Mike. Uh, for those who want, we, I'm going to end the recording, but we can stay on and, and still fellowship. So, thank you, uh, Mike McGinnis and, uh, and Larry and Ryan and Walt and all the others. So, just going to end the re- recording. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.